You're now listening to Comfort Zone. Stay inside. I'm Jack Grimes, and this is Dead Ends. We're going to begin with a little bit of local news from Cleveland, Ohio. Ladies and gentlemen, live from downtown Cleveland, it's Big Chuck and Little John in front of the biggest happening around. In 1986, the city of Cleveland was brainstorming ideas for a big stunt that would put them on the map. Cleveland had made great progress toward fixing their image and trying to attract tourism. And after months of public awareness campaigns and advertising, things were starting to turn around a little. And the city council decided that it was time for the last big punch, something big and spectacular that would catapult Cleveland into the ranks of America's great cities. Why not try and break a world record? Okay, thank you, John. And we have a real story to tell you. This is not, we're not making this up. It's really happened. Mary Ellen bought two bunches of balloons to give to John and I here. She came down, and one of the bunches of balloons she had tied to her watch. And the watch opened up, and uh, the balloons took the watch, and it's now going out east somewhere. So John and I say, if anybody finds Mary Ellen's watch tied to a bunch of balloons like this, and if you return it to the station, we'll have all kind of rewards for you. The United Way of Cleveland decided that the record to break was the most balloons simultaneously released, something the whole city could come together to work on and which would culminate in a beautiful visual spectacle. They began selling balloons at 50 cents each to be released in September of 1986. In today's more ecologically conscious world, Most people know that balloons are terrible for the environment, and that releasing huge masses of them is inadvisable at best. Here to help explain why is an activist and expert on the subject. Um, My name is Danielle, I'm from balloonsblow.org, and we started to educate people about the effects that balloon releases have, and how it's so easy to avoid this wasteful pollution, just don't let them go. But the 80s were a more careless time, and Cleveland was eager to break out of its underdog status as the mistake on the lake. After all, Cleveland is not known for its shining reputation. The United Way reached out to a company based in Los Angeles called Balloon Art by Treb. The Treb of Balloon Art by Treb is Treb Heining, a man who has no qualms professing his lifelong love for balloons. In 1969, my first job was selling Mickey Mouse balloons in Disneyland. It was working there that I learned everything about the art of balloon bending and also how to tie balloons really fast. In 1971, six Disneyland balloon boys were selected to help with the grand opening 50,000 balloon release at Walt Disney World. It was an incredible experience being there for the opening and the impact left a lasting impression on me. And while groups like Balloons Blow regard him with disdain, he's made some positive innovations as well. Those spiraling balloon arches, like you might see at a wedding or a high school dance, were his invention. And he was also the first person to propose releasing confetti for New Year's at Times Square. As I went through college, I supplied balloons at parties for family and friends. I also began experimenting with an idea of building what I called balloon columns. The reaction to that simple balloon decor item was amazing. 
and began a dream of being able to make a living just blowing up balloons. In 1979, I started my first company, Balloon Art by Treb. My sole vision was to create balloon decor and special effects for parties and events. Being the first company of its kind in the world, it was difficult to sell people on the idea that balloons could be used for anything besides birthday or circus parties. The caterers and party planners didn't understand what was in my head, so most of the early work was done for very little money, just so we could show people the power of balloon decor. Treb Heining, a big fan of massive balloon releases, was immensely excited to work on this project, which the city had decided to call Balloon Fest. We're figuring that they'll do about two to three balloons a minute. I've been doing this since I was 15 years old, so it's unfair to compare, but uh, two to three balloons a minute, each kid is going to do uh, correctly about 700 balloons or so uh, for the day, and, and we'll do it in about four to six hours, all the balloons. The technical side of releasing tons of balloons whether they be helium-filled and on the ground or air-filled and tied to the ceiling, is to use a net. Basically, you lay a big net over or under where you want balloons to go, then fill the net up and then release it from one side, letting buoyancy or gravity do the work for you. Cleveland's Balloon Fest would still use a net, but it would need to hold down an unprecedented number of balloons, one and a half million. According to a real physics study from the University of California at Santa Barbara, your average balloon can lift about one and a half grams, not including its own mass. The upward force that a balloon exerts is proportional to how much air it displaces, which means that the larger the balloon, or the more of them, the greater the force. One and a half million balloons have a combined lifting force of nearly two tons. That's enough to pick up a baby elephant a whole crowd of people, or even a small car. Treb Heining, along with Tom Holowatch, the project manager United Way hired to handle logistics, reportedly went to the company that designed the Space Shuttle cargo net. Although, when trying to reach them to confirm this, we failed to find evidence that the Space Shuttle ever carried or used a net. Nonetheless, it was definitely going to be an impressive piece of engineering. This was the most balloons ever collected in one place, and leaking any prematurely would be a disaster. Treb Heining set out to create a reliable and massive structure to hold Cleveland's record attempt down. Meanwhile, the United Way continued to collect donations and recruit local kids to spread the word. Anyone with a measure of civic pride would surely pitch in a dollar to add two more balloons to the pile. The fundraiser was a massive success. Over the summer of 1986, United Way received more than $3 million in donations and spent about 500000 of it on helium, balloons, and consulting. The actual inflating and tying was to be done completely by volunteers. This is Merlin Olson with a special Super Bowl thanks on behalf of the United Way and the National Football League to all volunteers and contributors from all the people who are being helped. Thanks to you, it works for all of us, the United Way. 
This message furnished by the National Football League. The city of Cleveland granted Treb Heining and his team exactly one-fourth of Public Square, a 40,000-square-foot section overlooked by Cleveland's famous Terminal Tower to the southwest. The net itself and its support structure would fill this entire space and stretch three stories into the air, providing space for United Way volunteers to fill the balloons and release them into the net. This structure was no small feat. City code treated it like a permanent building, and therefore it was required to withstand 90 mile per hour winds. Impressively, the balloon art team managed to design a system of scaffolding and trusses that stood up to the requirements of a permanent brick building, and this durability would prove to be important. The night before the balloon launch, Friday, September 26th, a massive storm swept through Cleveland. Public Square, which had been decorated and prepared all week, lost banners and inflatable decorations in the harsh winds, but the net stayed put, anchored by four short towers of aluminum tubing. Undeterred by storm damage, United Way volunteers set up early in the morning of September 27th to inflate one and a half million balloons and fill up their massive net. Who do you have there, John? What is your name? Tanya Pierce. Okay, Tanya, show everybody what you have on your hands there. What are those? Let's take bandages. Okay, and what are they for? They're for getting away from sores, sores from your hands. Okay, did you get any blisters? Yeah, three. Are you having a good time? Yeah. Are you tired? Yeah. Okay. Okay, Chuck, as you can see, they're going strong, they're blowing them up. I still think they have the record. Back to you, Chuck. As the mass of balloons expanded, so did Cleveland's pride in itself. Everyone watching was ready to see their city break free of its former reputation and enter a new age of growth and national recognition. You can hear both United Way planners and local news anchors gush with a level of excitement about Cleveland that borders on comical. Something that uh, has been in the planning stages since March of this year. So a lot of technical research and research through the city permits. Uh, it's endless. It's absolutely astonishing to try and get something like this off, let alone waiting for good weather. So this is a big plus for Cleveland. Oh, it's something that, you know, they predict a 70% chance of showers today. And I think this is a prime example of what United Way is trying to do in terms of saying, it's Cleveland, it's your time. It's time to say yes. It's time to say it is a happening city. We are on the move. It's no longer the butt of jokes or anything. I've been in this city now for six months, and I absolutely love it. You know, my wife and I have even talked about moving here, and our friends in L.A. think we're nuts. But it is a wonderful place. If I had money to invest, this is where I'd be invested. Very, very good. Thank you. Around one in the afternoon, a cold front started to form over Lake Erie, and organizers decided to release the balloons early to avoid having them rained on. The moment the city had been waiting for since March was finally here. Ten, nine, eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. Here they go. Lift off. Amazing. And the fan is up. And there they go, John. 
50 p.m. on September 27, 1986, four larger balloons lifted the giant net away from the multicolored mountain, which began to dissolve into the sky. The crowd and the news were both ecstatic, watching this enormous cloud of color engulf Terminal Tower and then lift away. Photographer Tom Sheridan captured some incredible images of the balloons as they diffused into the oncoming clouds. Even knowing what we do today about their awful impact on the environment, Balloonfest is a visually beautiful event to see. Ladies and gentlemen, there is no mistake on the lake anymore. Cleveland has now broken the Guinness Book of World Records and released over 1,500,000 balloons. Think of, think, think of that, Chuck. The Guinness Book of World Records, the Cleveland home of the home of the home of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. All of this in Cleveland, Ohio. The All-American City. How many events At this point in the program, you're probably asking yourself, what went wrong? It sounds like some people planned an event and then it went off smoothly. Well, as we established earlier, Balloon Fest was an ecological disaster. Here's Danielle again. The balloon industry markets latex balloons as biodegradable, but they're not. They are actually more deadly to animals because... When they burst, their remnants actually mimic the food of many creatures on land and sea. Like in the ocean, a sea turtle might think it's a jelly. And in the desert, a bighorn sheep might think it's a you know colorful piece of foliage or a flower or something. And then they're eaten and dying too. So, and yeah, the balloon industry just keeps pushing that so people will think, oh, it's just biodegradable. Well, okay, even if, you know, paper plates are biodegradable, are you just gonna chuck a bunch of those out in the yard? No. And they like to use this one study done by a man in the balloon industry where he like manipulated the balloons, put them in a drying oven and all this, and obviously that's not what happens in nature. And so that's where they got this, oh, degrees as fast as an oak leaf, six months garbage. Danielle's website, balloonsblow.org, is full of hate against comparisons to oak leaves, but it also contains a gallery of photos, each taken one month apart, of two latex balloons laying on the forest floor near her home in Florida. The experiment started in January of 2012, and the balloons are covered in dirt but by no means decomposed. As she can tell you herself, there is no such thing as an eco-friendly balloon. For one thing, an oak leaf is an oak leaf. It actually came from nature. 
and they say how latex balloons are made from sap and all that from a rubber rubber chair or whatever but it's got chemicals plasticizers dyes it's not just like it's made of sap because if it was just sap it would just be a gooey mess but they last years in the environment they even last longer in salt water which the plant is mostly water so even if you release some balloons out in the middle of the U.S., they could still end up in the ocean. And even if they don't end up in the ocean, wherever they land, they could still become a danger. And balloons can travel thousands of miles. They've traveled over 10,000 miles to, like, other countries. That's exactly what happened to the Cleveland balloons. As the cold front continued to move south, it started to rain, and one and a half million balloons were suddenly shrinking from the cold and being pummeled by rain. Most of them came down on Lake Erie, where they had possibly their most devastating effect, not only on the wildlife, but on the city of Cleveland and its people. It's been an exhausting search for these Coast Guardsmen. They've been out on the water most of the day looking for two 40-year-old Cleveland men, Skip Sullivan and Raymond Broderick. They went out fishing about an hour before last night's heavy storm blew through. This is their boat, a pair of life jackets still in it, along with a hat and a fishing pole. The boat's motor is gone. Its sides are battered, apparently from pounding all night against this section of the break wall off Edgewater Park. That's where the Coast Guard found the boat about 8.30 this morning. Skip Sullivan and Raymond Broderick, two friends from Cleveland, took their small metal boat out on Lake Erie on September 26, 1986 at around 6 p.m. Before they returned to shore, a storm came over the lake, the same storm that threatened the massive net in Public Square. The next day, a local woman spotted their empty boat and alerted the Coast Guard who sent out a patrol boat to search for the two men. After five hours of fruitless scanning, the boat's captain called for a search helicopter at about 1 p.m. when a cold front was starting to descend from the north. Meanwhile, back in Public Square, that same cold front prompted Balloon Fest officials to release the balloons early, unaware of the ongoing search. And when they came back down, it was an enormous hindrance to the Coast Guard. Ironically, that big balloon launch in Cleveland today is one of the things that's making this search so tough for the Coast Guard. Can you imagine trying to find somebody floating out here or even spotting a life jacket with all these balloons on the water? It's like trying to find a needle in a haystack here because you're, you're looking for more or less a head or an orange life jacket. Here you have a couple hundred thousand uh, orange, orange balloons and it's just hard, hard to decipher which is which. Unable to tell the, quote, asteroid field of balloons apart from, say, a life jacket or a person's head, the Coast Guard called off the search on September 29th as the balloons began to sink into the lake and the people of Cleveland forgot them. The balloons that covered the lake and caused concern on Saturday are no longer here today. No one's quite sure where they went, but at least they're no longer posing a threat to fish and wildlife, and they're not littering the lake. Sullivan and Broderick were both found on October 2, 1986. They had both drowned, a 
According to the police report, sometime on September 27th, the day of Balloon Fest. The Guinness Book of World Records has just been broken in Cleveland. Over 1,500,000 balloons going up in the air at this very, very moment. Look at the crowd, We did it! We did it! The storm of falling balloons caused other problems as well some of which got taken to court against the United Way. The widow of Raymond Broderick sued, claiming that if it weren't for Balloon Fest, her husband could have been found in time. A farm outside of Cleveland also sued the United Way, when falling balloons spooked a pair of prize Arabian horses who both injured themselves on a fence. Burke Lakefront Airport had to shut down its main runway for half an hour when it became clogged with balloons, and all over northern Ohio, traffic slowed to a crawl as drivers either stopped to gawk at the multicolored blizzard or crashed into each other due to the lack of visibility. The United Way settled most of these cases out of court for an undisclosed sum. Court documents are vague and hard to find although revenue reports suggest that the United Way of Cleveland ended up paying out around $3.2 million, more than the amount they raised to fund Balloon Fest. The disaster didn't stop there. Complaint letters started coming in from Canada, where people had begun to see balloons pile up on the shores of Lake Erie. Some of them were published in The Plain Dealer, Cleveland's most prominent newspaper. A short time ago, I was walking along the east beach of one of the special nature areas in Ontario Rondeau Provincial Park. I was greatly dismayed, however, when I saw balloons along the shore, not just one or two, but many. In an average 200-yard stretch along the east beach, I counted 140 balloons. In the same average distance along the south beach, there were at least 300. This translated into anywhere from 10,000 to 15,000 balloons scattered along the 8.5 mile shoreline at Rondeau. These balloons, being made of plastic, are not readily biodegradable and thus will create an eyesore for some time to come, or else be an unnecessary and time-consuming expense for someone to clean up. They may also be hazards to wildlife such as waterfowl, gulls, or terns. The September 28th Herald Republic newspaper reported that United Way in Cleveland released 1.5 million balloons into the air, some of which landed in Lake Erie on an airport runway, shutting down the airport for a half hour or so. It seems to me the money spent for this stunt, $500,000, could have been used to much better advantage. Seeing as how most of the funds were probably from donations from people who donate because they believe their money is going for a good cause, such as helping out the more unfortunate. I guess because that's a great business model if you can convince somebody to buy a whole bunch of your product and then basically just throw them all away. Yes, exactly. And um, balloon, it's like the balloon industry and sky lanterns. Those are like the only industries that like, yeah, just like you were saying, market their product to become litter. Balloon Fest and its horrible aftermath caused a large downturn in balloon releases, at least through the late 80s and 90s, and led to five states banning balloon releases. But the practice hasn't died yet, 
and sadly, it might be on the rise. They're they're getting more popular. And they're coming. They're making a comeback. Yeah. Um, people are doing it for, you know, like fundraisers, breast cancer awareness, mm. um, schools, teachers are having, you know, kids do it at graduations, um, gender reveals. It's, it's really insane. It almost seems like the balloon industry is like really pushing harder, like all these crazy, like mindless ideas just to waste a resource. And helium is a finite resource, which mm-hmm. is needed for MRIs and like you know, more important stuff than filling it with party balloons. Helium is absolutely a finite resource, as one writer to The Plain Dealer complained. It is most distressing to see pictures of the mass release of helium-filled balloons, as such activity involves a loss of a non-renewable resource merely to gratify the urge to observe a visual spectacle. Earth is running out of helium because it's so light that once it's released from its naturally occurring underground pockets, it rises to the very top of the atmosphere and usually escapes into space. And once we're out of it, we're out. You can't just make more helium. And yet, people are throwing it away, wrapped in an object that almost seems designed to harm the Earth. It's kind of weird how like, grown adults will like fight and argue over their right to litter. Like, just because it makes them feel better or they need to release a balloon, you know, for their mom in heaven. Well, that balloon is not really going to their mom in heaven. It's, you know, going to go choke a sea turtle or something. The events of 1986 are a potent warning to anyone considering releasing balloons. It's a fantastic example of a publicity stunt backfiring in nearly every possible way. The city of Cleveland and the United Way were forced to issue several public apologies and never attempted to break another world record. Balloon Fest was mentioned, briefly, in one edition of the Guinness Book of World Records before it was beaten in 1994 by Disney at an event in Wiltshire, England. Most of the 1.7 million balloons released there ended up in the ocean. It's just like a no-brainer. Like, some people are like, oh, I never even thought of that, but now I know. You know, now I'm not going to do that. I could help be part of the solution. Balloon Fest is widely regarded as a failure and a cautionary tale. But 30 years later, most people have forgotten it ever happened. And if it's true what they say about learning from history, we might want to keep an eye on Cleveland. Don't remember, folks, don't park on the square because this ain't the place for your car this weekend. <laughs> Back to you. Sounds like fun, David. Thank you. I understand you. we might have a northerly wind, too, so they'll all wind up over Canada. <laughs> <laughs> Dead Ends is written and produced by me, Jack Grimes, and published by Comfort Zone, a podcast label for cool people like you. We had music this week all by OK Ikumi. Special thanks to WKYC Cleveland and to my friends Alto, Jeremy, and Cole for doing some last-minute voiceover. Extra special thanks to Danielle at balloonsblow.org, which you can visit for facts and information and what you can do to stop sky littering. No problem, anytime, and you're welcome to use anything from our website, balloonsblow.org. We got alternatives, facts, everything you need. If you like the show, or if you have a topic idea for our final episode, You can find me on Twitter at Jackopedia, that's with an underscore. If you're listening on iTunes, remember to leave a review. Those are extremely helpful, 
And if you're listening on SoundCloud, why not share the show with a friend? And now, because it was too good not to use, here is the song from Mike Polk's hastily made Cleveland tourism video. Thanks for listening. Fun times in Cleveland today. Cleveland. Come on down to Cleveland town, everyone. Come and look at both of our buildings. Buy some food that's prepared near the street. Who knows, you might even see this guy. You should come on down to West 6th Street. It's the perfect place if you're a douchebag. Watch the poor people all wait for buses. Who the f*** still uses a payphone? Here's the place where there used to be industry. This train is carrying jobs out of Cleveland. Cleveland leads the nation in drifters. Here's a statue of Moses Cleveland. He's the guy who invented Cleveland. Yeah!